Excellent. So, uh, does anyone know how to play charades? Does everyone know how to play charades? No? I thought that was a, a pretty much a staple of uh, 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 Christmas family togethers, but there's a lot of shakes of the head. So, um, where you try and uh, let other people know the film or book or whatever. So, if I was to do that... Okay, if you don't know how to play charades, then, then perhaps don't shout out. And if you know how to play charades, then, then you can join in. Okay, so if we're playing charades and I was to do that, it's a film. Okay, and, and if I was to do that, one word. So some of you are getting it. Okay, so um, let's begin again. Okay, right, just quieten down. Okay, so... Um, <coughs> hey! I had a whole series of actions that I was going to do and you've got it too early. But uh, there we go, we're going to have to go on. Are you, you alright? Yeah, excellent. Okay, so does anyone remember the kids' film Up? Right, okay, so we've got a couple of things. So, can anyone remember the two kids that uh, eventually fall in love in the uh, film? Can anyone remember their names? <laughs> so, there's a boy and a girl, and they, uh, uh, they meet, and they're called Carl and Ellie. Possibly the greatest love story you will ever see. My, uh, my favourite uh, one from any film. Anyway, and... Um, they, uh, they first meet because they share something. Does anyone remember what they share? share? Yes, Sophia? They want to go on adventure. Give Sophia a round of applause. Basically, because she said that, my whole sermon has now got legitimacy because it's not something I've just made up. It's uh, uh, my little girl, unprompted, can I be quite clear? Uh, uh, can you? Brian and Steve can come down the front. You don't need a chair at the back. Come and join the rest of us. <laughs> Excellent. So, Carl and Ellie in the film Up, they want to go on adventure. They've seen the heroics of an adventurer called um, uh, Mumps. And uh, he goes on lots of ventures and they want to do what uh, he does. And so they scorn comfort, they uh, shun easy life and they want to go on, on great escapades. And there is something thrilling and enthralling about the men and women that despise playing it safe and that go on adventures. Uh, I know lots of my favourite films are just full of people that don't just sit at home and watch the television and eat Doritos. They want to go out and explore and have an adventure. I mean, think how boring the films would be if it was just full of couch potatoes changing the channel on the skybox. It would, it's a lot better when they're out and about. Now, if you've been paying attention, we've been doing a series over this Christmas of heroes in the nativity story. We've been looking at particular people and groups of people and 
uh, their character and nature and what they've got up to. And in particular, we've been looking at how they have shunned an easy life and gone for and chosen a difficult life. They love God so much and they have eternity in their minds to the point at which they have a difficult life now in favour of heavenly treasures. Everyone say heavenly treasures. Excellent. Some of you are either nodding off or going into a coma because of the cold and I just want to stimulate you every now and again. So the first person we looked at was Mary. Mary gave up all her ambitions as a young, uh, as a teenager and she gave them all up to be the uh, a mother of Jesus of Nazareth, which was a full-time occupation. And she also gave up her body to give birth to Jesus. Um, that's a sacrifice that no one here will be called upon. Everyone say Amen. 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 Excellent. The next person we looked at was the shepherds. The shepherds left their flocks, left their livelihoods, left their vocations and they chased down Jesus in uh, the town of Bethlehem. They gave up everything to find this baby and these stressed out new parents. And on Sunday we looked at the third of these heroes. What was Mary's husband called? Joseph. Okay, so we looked at Joseph and we had David Virgo give out the reading. And David Virgo gave out, um, and uh, Joseph gave out on conventional wisdom that there's no such thing as immaculate conception, that miracle babies just don't happen, and uh, that Mary had been faithful all that time. And so in return for all these sacrifices, they received the pleasure of God. They received angelic applause and they received, received eternal riches. Does that sound quite good? Yes! Who would like God to smile on their life? Doesn't yes! that sound something uh, attractive? So we're going to now, we're going to look at the last of our heroes in the Nativity story. Um, in the reading that Alex gave, and thank you Alex for doing the reading this morning, uh, what were the characters that he read about this morning? The wise men. Now, the wise men is kind of a translation of uh, the word magi. Everyone say magi. Does the word magi sound like any other words to you? Magpie, interesting thought, got nothing to do with it. Uh, how about magician? Magi, it's like the beginning of magician. So we have this word mag, uh, magi and it was uh, associated... I'm going to stop that. This adventure of the Magi this morning was the original uh, inspiration behind this whole series. Their story I really love. And And I hope as you hear something of their story this morning that you will fall in love with their story too and it will inspire you this morning as you go and fill up on turkey and uh, cranberry sauce and whatever else that you indulge in. So, these stories, the Magi, it almost, there's more questions from the text than you get answers. Because you're like, where did these Magi come from? It says the East, 
But the East, there's a huge amount of geography uh, when you're in Bethlehem. There's a huge amount. They could have come anywhere. And we don't know how many there were. We're guessing there was three because there were three gifts. But we don't know how many were there. We don't really know what, um, where they went either. So they met Jesus. And then they kind of disappear from the text. And so we have this very short episode where Matthew tells them about the Magi, but we don't know anything else. And so people that love scripture, that love the text, have been really good at speculating and imagining what uh, 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 the fuller story behind these three wise men. And... uh, So 1,500 years ago, someone read this text and what they came out with, they imagined that there were three wise men and they imagined they each had names. Does anyone know the traditional names given to these wise men in, in, uh, uh, in church history? Anyone come across the... Uh, so for 1,500 years, these wise men have been called these three names and I'm glad that it's completely passed you by because that destroys some of my sermons. So for 1,500 years, the church has called these three wise men names. So, does the uh, name Melchior ring a bell? No. Casper and Balthazar. So these are the three names that the Christian church has kind of assigned to these wine men. We don't know how many they were, we don't know where they're from, but they've kind of, we, we just love the story so much that we've embellished it. You know, you've sort of coloured in where you're not supposed to. And uh, so Balthazar is one of the names. And uh, over the years, other people have imagined a little bit more about these wise men. And uh, a couple of years ago, the, uh, one of the singers that opened up the uh, London Olympics, who sort of headlined it, he wrote a song, and uh, these are the words of the song, and this is one of the reasons I, I, I wanted to uh, talk about the Magi this morning. And it says this, Balthazar Road for seven, young le- seven long years, eastwards and far he follows his star. And it brought him here to a stable in ruins in some backwater town, to a virgin defiled, no king but a child, too small for a crown. And he sang, I could have lived with my gods as a Persian prince. I could have played safe, but in the end the journeys brought joys that outweighs the pain. Paupers and kings, princes and thieves, Singers of songs, writers of wrongs, be what you believe. So saddle your horse and shoulder your load, burst at the seams and take to the road. Now the guy that wrote that is an atheist. He's got this uh, great song about hallelujah, there is no God. So he has no uh, understanding of the God behind this text. But he reads this story of the Magi and he gets it. He finds someone that sacrifices comfort, that sacrifices ease and goes on a journey and says, you know what, it was worth doing all that because the joy of the journey outweighs the the pain of the sacrifice. And you know, when you read this, you don't need a preacher 
to tell you the, uh, the, the majesty and the poetry behind the story. You don't need someone up the front to say this is amazing because you read it and you're like, here is a group of guys who followed this star to a stable. And there is something in there that we wander at and look into and I suggest find inspiration in. Now, Magi, um, Matthew tells us and uses this phrase uh, or this word Magi. And basically Magi is this word used for uh, all the professionals in kind of magic arts and astrology and dream interpretation and sorcery. And in particular, it was associated with the empire uh, and place of Babylonia. Everyone say Babylonia. Babylonia. I'm just staving off that coma or that falling asleep every now and again. And so, uh, that's modern day Iraq. So we're, we're guessing that these Magi came from Iraq to Bethlehem. And uh, it's about 800 miles or so, we're guessing, that their journey was. And... Babylonia, which is associated with this phrase Magi and with uh, this sorcery and everything else, it's also associated with gold, frankincense and myrrh. So we don't know it for certain, but it seems very likely that these wise men from the East came from modern-day Iraq to uh, Bethlehem. Now, hopefully some of you Christians who are a bit long in the tooth, you know, you've uh, absorbed some of the Christian culture and knowledge and awareness over the years. When someone says sorcery, when someone says astrology, when someone says dream interpretation, you get a bit nervous because these things are often stuff that Christians frown on and that the Bible speaks against, you know. You should not find to the star signs and uh, that sort of thing as an interest as a Christian. It's something that we shun and avoid. And then suddenly, despite all of that, we find in this Bible story apparent astrologers or sorcerers or magicians or something that should make us very uncomfortable. And as you read it, you'll be like, well, Matthew, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Why have you included these pagans in this story? In the book of Daniel, we have Magi. And you know what? These Magi are not good. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul comes across Magi, and again, they are not good. And so we find Matthew bringing these people that Christians generally frown on, and Jews, and they come to the birth of Jesus. There are no Christians at the birth of Jesus, and in fact, there are no priests or Old Testament scholars, they're all elsewhere. And these Magi are welcomed in to Jesus' bedside. And these Magi would have known it. These Magi would have known that Mary and Joseph were probably quite uncomfortable that these guys who had a profession that they thought as devilish or demonic and they were now at their son's uh, uh, bedside. Nevertheless, 
these magi travelled those 800 miles to a hostile, to a frowning culture and they come and worship a newborn baby despite all their scholarly genius, despite all their expertise, despite all their knowledge, they come and worship a little baby in a manger. And the contrast is fabulous. And that is why the kids' nativity stories, there is something wonderful about all the kids with their crowns and their ruffles and uh, their great gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And they come and they worship this newborn baby and the contrast and the paradox and the weirdness of it all is, is something that draws everyone in and causes us to wonder. And so these guys, they put aside all their books, all their wealth, and they put aside their gods, and they come and find this foreign infant. And so in some ways, these magi, theirs is the greatest of all journeys. The shepherds, they were in a hillside nearby. Mary and Joseph, Jesus sort of came to them. But the magi travelled 800 miles. And they travelled 800 miles, probably from cool palaces and, and, and glorious temples. And they travelled maybe on camels or donkeys or on foot, we don't know. And they come to this poverty-stricken couple. And they make that massive sacrifice to worship a baby that they don't really know anything about. Friends, these Magi may not have known anything of Yahweh or Scripture, but they knew it was imperative that they forego all the luxuries, that they let go of all the comfort and make that journey to this newborn King Jesus. And this morning, this morning the call for us to embrace inconvenience is even stronger. Because we know who Jesus is. Some of us have even invited him into our hearts and he has changed everything. Can I have an amen from those that recognise that? It's not, I'm not preaching to people that are looking at me confusedly. Many of you are like, yes, I will embrace inconvenience to Jesus. I will come out to a cold barn in the middle of Bewbush on Christmas Day where everyone else is sat with their families in, in front of fires and scoffing chocolate because I think this Jesus is worth it. Because I think this Jesus is important. Not because he's just kind or sets a good example, but because he died to save everyone from their sins. And, 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 and many of us can look forward with confidence, not just for the rest of our lives, but to eternity, because when we are called to account by God, we can say, you know what, Jesus died for me. I am not good enough. I am not well behaved enough. I cannot control myself as I would like. But Jesus cleared it with you, Father. And so today, as he does every day, Jesus calls out to each of us and says, follow me. He says, it's not going to be easy. Follow me. Let go of all the things that are comfortable and follow me. Now, the good news is we don't have to go on a pilgrimage across continents. You don't have to travel from Iraq to Bethlehem or from Crawley 
to Nazareth. You don't have to make this expansive journey, but you do need to go on an adventure. You need to um, shun and scorn comfort and your pride. You have to scorn all the self-indulgence that we so often cultivate. And you have to go on a journey where it's all about humility, where it's all about love, where it's all about kindness. And the sacrifice will be there. And it's not just coming out to a cold barn in the middle of Crawley. There are all sorts of things you have to forego. All sorts of things that everyone else is enjoying, but is at the dead end, as you can get. But ultimately, the, the joy of the journey and the destination will outweigh the pain of everything that you've left behind. And so, I, as I finish our quadrilogy of uh, series on the heroes of nativity, I just ask you this morning, this Christmas day, when hopefully if you've got a few loved ones around you, you can look forward to a bit of indulgence, of presents and of food and of bad uh, Christmas TV. And then the question is, are you continually um, shunning the comforts that this world offers to follow Jesus? Are you avoiding all that pride and um, self-obsession and uh, activity that is a dead end for something that will last forever? And if you don't know this Jesus... Christmas Day is a great day to start that journey and for all those of you that have already started that journey I just want to say it's going to be worth it you're going to make it and it's going to be worth it and those treasures in heaven are going to be a delight and you will uh, um, just bless God and uh, uh, you will have an eternity of joy and uh, if everyone would like to uh, bow their heads, uh, I'll, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the noise of the children. God, we thank you uh, uh, for the blessing that they are and the way that we lavish our, uh, we're able to lavish our love and gifts to them. Uh, Lord God, and I thank you that Christmas, despite what lots of people say, is not all about children. Lord God, that this gift that you gave us is for every single person. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave us the biggest gift you could, your Son, and that your Son is the means for eternal life. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those that don't know him this morning, that they would encounter him and that they would learn to love him. And Lord God, I pray for those that do know you, that we would continually chase after this Jesus, we would continually hunt him down, that he would be the source of delight and pleasure and that we would invest nowhere else. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 If you'd stand and we've got one last song. Number six.